As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, bacon and ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams gonna throw. One on one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's gonna take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Connor Barth. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's Anthony Pagnotta, your host with you as always, and we have finished the offensive position preview, so that's right, guys. It means we move over to the defensive side of the football. We've got to talk about, uh, you know, Carolina, a defense that, for the first time in a while, not only feels like it has talent, but feels like it has depth. And we're going to start up front today with the defensive line. We have Josh Marlowe with us as always. And again, this is one of his specialties. We talked to you guys about that the last time we were on the podcast for the offensive lineman. He also breaks down the defensive lineman when he does the trench report. So uh, this is his area. We're going to talk in this podcast about the guys that are considered defensive linemen as well as the edge rushers here in this one. Then the next one will be sort of the interior linebackers, some of those hybrid guys as well that we'll talk about. But uh, I think, you know, when you start with this unit, one of the guys that I think it surprised some people uh, when Phil Steele put out his preseason All-Americans in the college football Bible that he released uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, he had Raymond Voasic as a guy that was in, he, he was uh, a third-team All-American for him. Um, he's a guy that I think you know has definitely played well over uh, the last couple of years for Carolina, but really took off last year, especially in the early going. Got a little bit worn down as the season went along for sure, but comes into his senior year. Don't know if it will be his final year with, of course, the extra year of eligibility due to COVID, but uh, he's a guy that Carolina should feel pretty confident is is the anchor of their defensive line. Yeah, you gotta you gotta hope that he doesn't wear it like he wore down last year, and he shouldn't because there's a little bit more depth along that defensive front, which wasn't there last year. 
which was a big reason why his production really dropped off. But if you go back to the end of the 2019 season, he was a big part of that the, the defense's resurgence at the end of that season. And then last year, when this defense for the first month of the season, no one could run the football on Carolina. And that's something we hadn't said since Butch Davis was here. He was a big part of that. It is a bold statement for Fielster to have him on his third-team All-American team, but it also shows the potential this guy has and the potential that this defense has with him anchoring it up up there at that defensive front. He's a big body, 6'2", 300 pounds, um, so he takes up a lot of space, can plug gaps, plug holes, does a good job getting off blockers to get to the football and make tackles um, close to the line of scrimmage to, you know, to negate big runs. But it's going to take everybody on that defensive line this year because – while they're a little bit more deeper, we've just there's there's no such thing as too much depth in the trenches. There's just not. And as good as these guys are, they're still not as good as Aaron Crawford and Jason Strobridge were in 2019. And those guys were invaluable to Carolina success, and they never came off the field. So it's going to be a total team effort for Carolina up front defensively. Yeah, and look, you've got a lot of guys that can probably get to a point where they'll be better than those guys. But I think right now, I'd, I'd have to agree with you that you know you look at this unit and they've got some really good players, but I think there are, is still a lot of youth here. There's still some guys that you're a little bit uncertain about. Um, you know. Guy in Tamari Fox, who played the most reps of anybody on the defensive side of the football a year ago outside of the linebackers, uh, I mean, comes in uh, this year, and he was another guy, I think even more than Vohasek. And Vohasek, I think part of the reason why he got banged up early in the season, had that, you know, some times where he just didn't look quite right out there, but, you know, still flashed the points and, and made some plays. With Tamari Fox, it was very obvious towards the end of the year that he had just been out there so much. Yeah. He had gotten worn down. And part of that was because, look, Carolina had some talented freshmen there a year ago. We saw Kamen Rucker. We saw Miles Murphy at the end of the year. We would have seen those guys more often early on if they would have had a normal spring practice. That really hurt the defensive line a year ago and was what forced them to play Tamari Fox as much as they did. But he's still a guy that, I mean, he's been on the field. He, he's, you know, hasn't been the guy that can win those one-on-one -on -one battles to get after the quarterback and that's something that Mac Brown has talked about a lot yeah. with not only you know the guys on the interior but especially the edge rushers and we'll talk about it more here in a minute when we talk about those guys but Tamari Fox is still a guy that has been productive for you when he's been on the field and I mean the the thing that you could say about him is he's a high motor guy man he's going to give you everything he's got yeah and I mean you know the guy had 46 total tackles six tackles for loss and four sacks I mean it's kind of hard to complain about a guy that gives you that kind of production. Um, but Carolina still needs – I'm not going to say more. It needs to be a more consistent 46 tackles, you know, tackles for loss in the sacks. Because last year, like his brother, it came in bunches. It would come in two or three games, and for two or three games he would disappear. He needs to be a consistent force in the backfield, getting off blocks, making tackles, and getting to the quarterback um, for this defense to take the next step like we're expecting it to this upcoming season. Well, one of the guys that got in, and we talked about it a little bit there, but we're going to go a little more in-depth on him as the season went along was Miles Murphy. Now, look, his stats aren't going to blow you away. He had eight total tackles, two tackles for loss, and a sack, but watching him throughout the season, you could tell that there is a lot of potential there. He's a guy that's going to be able to win con you know, pretty consistently on the inside. I think now it's about being able to handle the speed of the college game for him. He's had that extra season. He, this is, was his first spring that he's went through, and he's had that extra time in the weight room. It really feels like this could be 
a potential breakout candidate on this defensive line for the Tar Heels. Just because his stats didn't say that this guy's going to be a playmaker, if you watch the film, you could say, oh, that guy's going to make plays on Saturdays for the next couple of years. That's the kind of impact he had once he, once Jay Bateman and the defensive staff was comfortable with him being on the field. Because as you mentioned, the, the, the COVID year, not having the spring ball and everything, it really set this defense back. This defense would have taken a, a bigger step forward probably – all year long as opposed to what we saw at the end of the year had they had a whole year to get ready for it, but these guys didn't. But once he was able to get on the field, you could just see that guy's got – he's a football player. He's going to make plays. He has good instincts, and he's going to be a big part of what the defense is going to do this year and the next couple of years. Yeah, then there's his fellow classmate. He's a redshirt freshman, of course, since he played a lot last year. Miles Murphy is a sophomore, guy that missed all of last year with an Achilles injury and now is back. Remember that the guy that we heard the most about, maybe outside of Josh Downs amongst the freshmen, uh, when they were in the weight room back in the winter before everything got shut down due to COVID, we heard a lot about Kedrick Bingley-Jones. Yeah. He was that guy that I think everybody was keeping an eye on on the defensive side of the football. He's back now. He was still not 100% for the early part of spring practice. Uh, even towards the end, you know, they, they allowed him. You know, he played in the spring game, got some valuable reps in. He's probably going to come along slowly, but there is a ton of talent here with this young man, and it feels like if he can be fully healthy in the fall, really get some of those reps under his belt, he could at least get himself into the conversation as a rotation guy on the interior of that defensive line. And Carolina needs him to be at 6'4", 305 pounds. He can do things on the football field that men that size aren't supposed to be able to. He's a freak of, he's a freak of an athlete. That's why Jay Bateman and the staff coveted him, trying to get him into Chapel Hill. Now we're, he's ready, we're, we're ready to see what he can do in this defense under Jay Bateman with all that athleticism. But you're right, the injury took him away last year, and it was a big blow. And it was in the preseason. We didn't even play the game before he got hurt. Yeah, it was in the spring. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, it, you know, we were all, we were concerned about it then, and it really showed up in the middle part of the season where that defense was just worn down, and they had trouble stopping teams like Florida State, Virginia, Wake Forest come to mind. Hopefully with this guy back in the fold, Carolina's defense will be more consistent uh, of course of the season. Yeah, there's a couple other guys that you probably have to talk about here too. I think Jaleel Taylor's the main guy here. Uh, you know, Taylor was a guy that, you know, m most people looked at and, and saw as, you know, that they went into spring camp. Uh, that it looked like he was going to be one of those options that was just kind of getting pushed down the depth chart. We saw that last year as well when he got passed over by a guy like Miles Murphy. You figured with Bingley Jones coming back into the fold that he would you know potentially lose some reps from him as well. And then you're talking about two true freshmen who we're going to talk about here in just a second. But he battled back. Mac Brown talked a lot about him in the spring. He had a really good spring for himself. And he's at least keeping himself still in the conversation to be able to to contribute this season as a junior. He's going to have to. And I've said it. I mean, Carolina's got eight or nine guys listed as quote-unquote defensive linemen. They're going to need all eight or nine guys for them to to produce and at some level, whether it's the first week of the season, the middle part of the season, because injuries are going to happen. They're going to get worn down playing some of these offenses that play a little bit faster and stuff like that. It's just part of playing football. And the good thing is is that this kid could have quit. He could have got down on himself. He battled back. He's gotten high praise from his head coach, which really means a lot. Mac Brown isn't going to praise you unless you're worthy of being praised. So that, that should speak volumes about what this kid's done um, you know, over the course of the last year or so. And so hopefully he's ready to be a big part of the defense as a uh, guy coming off the bench. Well, you want to talk about praise. Uh, you got two true freshmen that were raved about 
talked about multiple times, and, and rightfully so, being that they were two of your top four recruits in the class. It might have been, even been two of the top three at the end of it. Um, in Javari Ritzy and Keyshawn Silver. You know, Keyshawn Silver was a little bit banged up at times last uh, or last year during uh, spring. Uh, he, he was, you know, slowed by an injury. But Javari Ritzy sure wasn't. He exploded. He was one of the talks of spring practice. And he looked, you know, he had some moments even in the spring game as well. He looks like a guy that is going to be able to come in and have an early impact. And I think Silver's even got a chance to do that as well, mainly just because of just how unbelievably talented he is and how rare he is as an athlete at his size of 6'5", 295. The best part about these guys is these are Jay Bateman guys. These are the guys that Jay Bateman wants. The guys that he's had so far have been holdovers from Larry Fedora, staff and guys that they've just made do with. These are guys that the staff wanted. They fit what he wants to do. So you should be able to see them become able to come in and make an impact in some capacity because that's, what, that's the expectation from them. As you mentioned, they were two of the top three or four recruits of this entire class. This was a pretty daggum good recruiting class Mac Brown and, and company Definitely. brought in. So that's speaking, you know, to the kind of the talent that they brought. You mentioned their athleticism. I think that's going to be the difference maker with this Carolina defense. If they can do a little bit more things on the edge that they haven't been able to do in years past, you're going to be able to be better and run fit and maybe get the quarterback a little bit more often with a guy like Ritzy or Silver coming off that edge. Yeah, and I think they are definitely going to be able to do that. I think they're definitely going to be able to help in the run game as well. Ritzy's a guy that really, I mean, looked good on the interior of the offensive line in that spring game, and he's going to give people problems. I, when he came out of high school and I saw his player comparison I could not have been more excited he I mean his comparison was Jeffrey Simmons who you remember from Mississippi State and now plays for the Titans I think that's exactly what you need in the middle of this defense yep. in Carolina that's the point that they can get to Ritzy is going to be a guy that's going to have his ups and downs he's going to get matched up against some guys that may be a little more physical than he was used to at the high school level that's why he probably won't he's probably not going to be a starter at any point this year but he is going to get in there. He's going to make an impact this year. And then, I mean, you talk about this is another unit that, I mean, we talked about how deep wide the wide receivers unit was. We talked about how deep the offensive line unit was getting. And we'll talk about it when we get to the defensive backs. This unit has some sneaky depth, too, because you're talking about a guy in Kevin Hester Jr. that right now we just don't know where there's space for him. But when he's been on the field, he's flashed. He's made plays. Christian Varner now up over 300 pounds as well. Another guy that Carolina really liked when they brought him in as a recruit. And I think he's another guy that provides really good depth. That's the thing that you've got at this point. And even Clyde Pinder, almost forgot him there. Uh, another talented guy that Carolina really valued, uh, you know, back in the 2020 class as a sophomore. Kind of that prototypical guy in the middle of your defense as well. He could be a guy that could battle for reps uh, a little bit more than maybe those last two that we talked about. But, I mean, the depth here is crazy in terms of talent. And it's, it's good to feel like you've gotten to the point now because we talked about it a little bit with the offensive line where there were a, a couple of years ago scenarios where if you had a guy go down, you were feeling pretty, uh, pretty nervous about the group that was coming in behind them. Now, I mean, Carolina's got enough depth here to where if 
you had two or three guys go down and miss games, you would still be in a spot where you'd feel like you at least have a chance to compete with some of these teams in the ACC. And I think that's really you got to credit this staff for getting the job done down there. Well, here's the thing. If Carolina wants to get where they wanted to get to, they had to repair the depth up front. And they've, they've done it on the offensive line, and they're, they're getting there on the defensive line. You look at the two games they lost last year, which really showed where this program had to take the next step, Notre Dame loss at home to A&M in the bowl game. Those defensive lines for the Irish and the Aggies were able to wear down Carolina's offensive line. And you look at the teams that you know that are national title contenders year in, year out, yeah, they got flashy skill position players, but they're deep up front on the trenches, especially in that defensive line. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, even Oklahoma at this point. They've got dudes for days on that defensive line group. Carolina yeah. is Oklahoma just doesn't have the secondary. Right. To go Carolina with is getting there. And once you get there, and I've talked all along, what makes a great program? Competitive depth. They've got it on the offensive side of the football, and they're getting it on the defensive side of the football, which is why we're all excited about this season. If we didn't think Carolina could be competent defensively, there would be a whole lot of excitement. You'd probably think this is an 8-4, and 9-3 football team. They have the talent and enough, and enough depth on the defensive side of the football where 10-2 and 11-1 and and is possible, which is why we're so excited. It's why they're a trendy pick to, you know, make, a, to, to make another New Year's Six Bowl game, and people will pick them to upset Clemson because the defense has come along in just three seasons. Yeah, and, and look, I think the defensive line, they've done a great job at, at trying to build this depth as quickly as they possibly can. And, I mean, you talk about competitive depth. I mean, you got guys coming in. I mean, like Ritzy and, and Silver, these are guys that could make immediate impacts for you. If there's playing time out there, and, I mean, look, Mac Brown has said it for, you know, since he got there, the best players will play. If these guys can live up to their potential even out of the gate, they will be on the field early. And I think this is, those are two of the guys that you look at and say to yourself, from any of the guys in past years, if there's freshmen that are going to play and play a lot, on the interior of the defensive line, it's going to be those two guys for sure. I think what's really more impressive is Carolina has done this in just recruiting. They haven't gone to the transfer portal to stock depth, which is exactly you know you would probably think that's well how how'd you build so much depth because when you got here, Larry Fedora left you nothing. They've just done that good in recruiting. They haven't used the portal now. Maybe in, in the years to come, they'll be you know they'll be able to pick the guys they want to pursue to transfer into the program. But that's also pretty promising that they're doing the job on the recruiting trail to get the type of talent and depth they need on that defensive line yeah and then you go out to the edge rushers and you know again a solid group here you know Tamon Fox uh, again last year you know pretty good numbers for him best numbers really of his career with 36 total tackles 10 and a half for a loss and seven sacks so pretty productive season for him really right around the same numbers that he had in 2019 uh, just uh, you know a half a tackle for loss more in 2019 than he had the previous year uh, you know he leads the group and then you know you also get back he comes back as a super senior so does Tyrone Hopper on the edge he comes back as well but there is some competitive depth here I think the big thing though that we touch on first before we talk about some of the other guys here is the leadership that you get back with Taman Fox he's a guy that you would think maybe gets a chance one last time to take another step forward and maybe try to push himself into the conversation to be an NFL player at the next level. And you also get a leader in Tyrone Hopper coming back, who you know we heard a lot about last year before the season as having taken a step. He had his bumps and, and uh, 
what am I looking for? Bumps here? in the road. Bumps in the road. Ups and downs. Ups and whatever. Downs, hiccups. Um, yeah, he had he had his moments uh, sometimes throughout the season. Uh, you know where he struggled, but for the most part, uh, it's it's a guy that you like to have back and have it as as an option on the edge. Experience is invaluable, no matter what the position is. And this is and and a big. Let's be clear. A big reason why these guys came back. Timon Fox maybe was to better as NFL draft stock. They think they could do something special here, and they wanted to be a part of it. They were granted the opportunity by the NCAA. One of the, one, actually, one of the smartest moves the NCAA has made probably in the history of its existence was giving all these guys an extra Let's year see. to come Which, back. What number is that? Um, number one. But, first uh, oh. you know, they're going to have a role. Um, and, and for Timon Fox, they're great numbers, but like his brother, they came in bunches. If he can give us those numbers over a 12-game, you know, he's producing week in, week out. That's what Carolina wants. More importantly, that's what they need. Hopefully he's ready to do that. Look, he was the most consistent that he's been in his career last year. I think the biggest thing, and Mac Brown has talked a lot about this, and I think this is huge for this unit. I touched on it a little bit there when we were talking about the interior guys. You have got to win your one-on-one battles. Mac Brown has talked about it so much in the spring about how the last couple of years, the way that they've gotten pressure is through blitzing and through scheming. That's fine. It's worked, but you want to take some of your pressure off of those guys on the back end. There were games where it worked very well for Carolina, where they got pressure into the backfield. But there are certain games where you look at it, even though you didn't let up a lot of points. The game against Boston College, you could see it. You were blitzing, but you didn't get home. You put your safeties and corners in one-on-one situations. And there were times they'd make plays, but there were times they would get beat. The game against Wake Forest was the one that scared me the most, where you were scheming to try to get after them. And really, it wasn't even your corners. Your your safeties, which when we talk about the defensive backfield, we're going to hit on again. They've got to be better than they were a year ago because their consistency was up and down. You want to be able to allow some of your linebackers to drop into coverage and take the pressure off of these guys on the back end where they don't always have to be in one-on-one coverage. Or if they make a mistake, it's not you know, the end of the world for them because you've got guys up front that are winning those one-on-one matchups against fellow offensive linemen, you know, tight ends, or uh, running backs. That That's the point that you've got to get to. Tamon Fox is probably the guy that you look at the most and you think can be the leader of that group that can take that step forward. You know, consistency was is something that I think he's still working on, and I think this will probably be, once again, his most consistent year. What that means, I don't really know. Um, you know, with him, both him and Tyrone Hopper, I mean, look, Tamon Fox is, is better than Tyrone Hopper as a run defender. Neither one of them are fantastic run defenders. Nope. That's just part of them as, as edge rushers. Um, and I think for, for Hopper, that's the biggest concern with him because he was clearly – a liability at times on the field as a, a, a guy in run defense. That's where some of the other guys behind them have to step up, but those are going to be your veteran leaders. You look at the guys that we're looking at that could potentially step up. you got, of course, Desmond Evans. I think that's the name that everybody's going to be looking at, a guy that ended up finishing as a four-star coming out of high school, was a five-star for most of his time coming out. And look, he's now up to he's he always been tall 65 and and 3 quarters but now when he came to carolina he was 235 now he's 265 he's put on the weight to go along with the height 
now you feel like he's going to be able to compete physically with some of these guys when he goes against some of these offensive tackles, some of these bigger tight ends that he has to face in the ACC. So you would think he's one of those guys when you talk about those one-on-one battles that you can win. And then you got to find somebody between the rest of the guys out there. And to me, I think it's obvious. They're kicking a guy out that played pretty much interior defensive line a year ago. Man, I think Cayman Rucker has the chance to be the other guy here uh, that could step up and really have a good season, even if it's as a rotational guy out there as an edge rusher. Yeah, I had a guy on Twitter say that they were pretty baffled at the weight that Desmond Evans put on. He had no choice but to put on weight, or he was never going to be an impact player at this level. He was just too small last year. He got pushed around. That's why he didn't play a whole lot. He Physically, he couldn't compete right and And one of the things one of the things really quick about Evans that was interesting was Mac Brown talked about him in the the presser uh, just the other day uh, early you know when he did his first presser in about two months one thing that he dropped in there that I did not know and I don't think they ever released this was he came in as a summer enrollee which I think was one thing that Carolina fans were hoping he would have come in as an early enrollee in the end wouldn't have really mattered but when he came to Carolina the first couple of weeks that he was on campus, couldn't practice because he had an illness that was not COVID, but couldn't practice. He yeah. was sick. That really, you know, Mac Brown said that really set him back. But now, I mean, up th- up thirty pounds. This dude has a chance to be special. Yeah, and you know that's and hopefully he is because his athleticism is off the charts. He's got the size. He's got the link to be a you know able to block passes at the line of scrimmage or whatever, but also get his hands on some guys in the run game. And I love the uh, the whole thing about Cayman Rucker. That dude just makes plays. He makes things happen. He's an exciting player, man. I I I love using this phrase, man. He plays with his hair on fire. He wants to be around the football. And, I, I mean, there are some people that I think might, you know, well, he was so productive on the interior, the deep. Dude, he's going to be perfectly fine on the edge. I, I think, you know, that's where he played in high school. Uh, and, and he, you know, he's put on a little bit more weight since then. But, man, he's he's a hardworking kid, and, and I'm excited for him. At the least, I, I've got – you know, going in, I'm extremely positive about what he can be out there. And then, you know, you can't forget about Chris Collins. I mean, he's a junior. Uh, you know, last year when he was on the field, you know, he he, he was another guy that kind of was inconsistent. He, he's one of those guys that I think could challenge for one of those starting roles. But I think right now he's probably shown that he's best fit into those rotational roles. But there's still plenty of playing time in those roles because, as we've mentioned, there's going to be a lot more rotation here this year than there was a year ago. And in order to be able to compete with some of these top teams, you have to have these guys that can rotate in and the talent level not drop off that much. You know, that was an adjustment Jay Bateman had to make when he left um, Army to come here. At Army, they ran a ball control offense. His defense was never tired. Here, when you're playing a, you know, in a in, in normal football world where teams don't run the triple option, your guys are going to wear down a lot quicker. But last year, you just you didn't you didn't trust them to put out there to make plays. That's different now. Now you trust these guys to be on the field, and you you have to for you to hold up. Um, and 
there's a role for him. I think it's best for him being a rotation player off the bench, but he's proven that when he's out there, he's not a liability, and that and that's really important. Yeah, so, you, I mean, that that's the group that you're really looking at. Another guy that'll be in that conversation, he moved from, uh, you know, the, really that interior, that, that inside linebacker group to the edge rusher group uh, this offseason is Ethan West, guy that was a former four-star recruit coming out of high school. He's another guy that's going to be in there. Don't really know how much he's going to play as a redshirt freshman, but still one of those guys that, again, he's got there, – there's a lot of talent there and another guy that is probably going to get buried a bit on the depth chart. Yep. But, again, if injuries were to set in, he's a guy that has the talent where you'd still feel confident that he could give you something out there. He wouldn't get you killed yeah. like some of the guys in years past. Uh, two, you know, A couple true freshmen to keep an eye on as well. Uh, you've got Gabe Stevens coming out of Mount Island High School uh, in the state of North Carolina, right around the Charlotte area here. Uh, he's uh, undersized, to say the least, for the position. Um, the tough thing about him is that this was the position he thrived at in high school. He played off the edge, but he played for a 1A school where he played against a lot of smaller guys. So his skill set fits the position. His body size... Not so much. Yeah, three at 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 six three and three quarters and two twenty five. He's got some weight that he's got to add. But hey, man, we talked about what Des Evans did in a short period of time. You would imagine that Gabe Stevens can do the same thing. Travion Stevenson, little more weight to him, but probably another guy that coming in you would imagine is going to take some time. But is a guy that's got a lot of upside. His you know uh, ranking coming out of high school is somewhat similar to the one that we saw from Cayman Rucker a year ago. He's one of those guys in the class that you may not talk a whole lot about, but he's got a good skill set. He yep. fits the position well, and there's a reason that Jay Bateman went after him on the recruiting trail. You would imagine that he'll have a chance to factor in. When it comes to the guys that are going to be walk-ons here, really looks like there's only two guys that will be walk-ons for the edge rush group. That'll be Braden Hunter, who's going to be a redshirt freshman, uh, and then Alex Nobles, who's been with the team for a while, uh, he is entering his junior season, missed most of last year with an injury this year. Uh, he will be a part of that group probably if he's going to factor in. Same thing with Hunter, probably be on special teams. Yep. So that'll be where you'll look at for those guys uh, as well. So uh, that wraps it up for this edition uh, of the uh, previews here with the defensive line and edge rushers. Linebackers will be coming up next. So we'll get into the interior uh, linebackers, uh, the guys that'll be trying to slow down the run in the middle of this defense, the volume tacklers, the guys that will potentially have to get out in space and cover some guys. We'll be talking about that one in the next edition of the podcast if you're wondering about the rest of the linebacker group. But that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Make sure you guys head over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com. Check it out. Position previews are going up there uh, as we speak here throughout the month of July. So make sure you guys are checking those out. Uh, great insight into all these guys that we've been talking about. We go even more in depth uh, when we talk about it on there than we do here on the podcast. So make sure that you're looking out for those on the website. Ton of recruiting stuff as well. Carolina, of course, coming off the big week of, uh, or big week, big month of June. They have a big week 
late in July coming up, so make sure that you guys are keeping an eye on the website for all the latest recruiting stuff. Carolina doing a good job sort of amassing the talent uh, with the limited spots that they have in this 2022 recruiting class, and they're looking to get some headliners in here as they get ready to close down the month of July and head into the month of August. So we'll have you covered with that. And then, of course, once the team gets into camp, we'll have you covered with all the camp stuff, and we'll have all the preseason stuff. So we'll have the breakout candidates article. We'll have all those fun articles that we like to do before the season starts and, of course, right up to the, when we preview that game against Virginia Tech the week of September 3rd. It's not too far away, guys. Uh, it is, you know, day of recording. We are closing in about a month and a half away from the start of the season, and uh, I think at this point, it cannot get here fast enough. We do have the NBA Finals currently going on, but outside of that, i got to be honest with you, the Olympics uh, not really piquing my interest. No. <laughs> so we need we need college football uh, to get here. Also on the website, make sure you guys check out the podcast. Heel Tough Blog Podcast has a tab at the top. So does the Four Corners Podcast. You can check that out there. All the great basketball coverage uh, on the podcast as well as on the website. The articles on the basketball side of things really revolving around what Carolina's been doing on the recruiting trail uh, or you know during this month, landing Jalen Washington. They've also landed a pretty coveted transfer in Dawson Garcia. Josh has had you covered on everything recruiting-wise, doing some fun stuff from the Roy Williams era as well on the website and the podcast. And then, of course, we are uh, going to get you ready. Josh will be the main guy getting you ready for basketball season when that rolls around the first Carolina basketball season that will not be under the direction of Roy Williams in 17 years. It will be under the direction of Hubert Davis, and he'll be taking you through all of that as we get closer. Uh, you know, in terms of the podcast, both podcasts, you can uh, find those podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, uh, TuneIn, all those apps, Odyssey app, we got it added on there so you can listen to the podcast. They got great audiobooks on there as well that you guys can check out. So tons of great places that you can check out the podcast. In terms of watching it, you're seeing it here on the Facebook page. Make sure you like and follow the Facebook page so that you get the notifications whenever we go live and you'll get all those articles, all the podcast editions right on your timeline. You won't have to search through the groups if you're one of those people on Facebook that use the groups to find this stuff it'll be right there for you on your timeline without you having to do all the searching and lastly uh social medias for us at htb josh for him at htb anthony for me heel tough blog uh is the twitter handle make sure that you guys follow all of those pages we would greatly appreciate that so want to thank you guys uh or want to thank josh for hosting with me want to thank you guys for watching and listening and as always go talk